0: Welcome to the Photography Opinion Podcast. We discuss all things photo, video, and camera-related. I'm Ben Lucas. And I'm
1: Stuart Marlantis.
0: And this is PhotoLob.
1: So, hey, Ben. Hey, Stuart. How's it going? going? (laughs) Jinx. Uh, Jinx. Uh, I've noticed, as we've been recording... Um, some boxes have been moving around in the background very mysteriously. So You
0: have noticed, it's yeah. true, because so. they have been. I've, <laughs> I've done my best to try and keep them out of frame, but for the astute viewers out there, you can probably see them in the background. No, I am working on moving. Uh, I had an announcement on the channel that I just got a brand new studio space, so I'm working on packing up and getting that space uh, kitted out.
1: A brand new studio space, man. I would like that. That sounds really good. <laughs> um, no,
0: the, so here's here's something that's funny. The what? studio, so it, it is a house with a garage, but the garage mm-hmm. is a completely detached structure. And so I, it is large enough that I'm turning that structure into the, the high-end commercial studio that I have envisioned for it. And awesome. that studio is actually larger than my house now. <laughs> so... <laughs>
1: tons of space yeah i only um for for viewer reference i only have like a a single car garage and then kind of like a little bit of an office um for my like in-house you know studio shooting so this is a, a palatial estate in comparison <laughs>
0: well i mean for for the for the uh, for the hardcore people who want to go back through the youtube archives i've mm. shot a ton of stuff in your garage so. well
1: it, yeah it works but it's it's a it's no like huge detached structure studio
0: that's pretty cool yeah it's it's almost lean to <laughs> <laughs> it's true yeah it's built right <laughs> in
1: the house so uh let's get back to the studio um so since it's it's so big, what are we what are we talking about here? What is it going to look like inside? What are you going to be doing in there? I mean, beyond shooting, of course.
0: I mean, I'm so glad you asked. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, this episode we're just totally talking about the new studio. Yep. So if you are interested in what I'm doing in my studio, or interested in setting up your studio come along for the chat. So uh, yeah, when, when I was kind of thinking about uh, the space, the very first thing that I wanted to figure out was what is its purpose? Mm -hmm. So if you are shooting, you know, tabletop photography, you're going to set up all your stuff for tabletop photography. If you shoot cars, you need to make sure that you have like um, a psych wall big enough that you can shoot the cars with tall enough ceilings. You can get those lights and everything. So Uh, The two main purposes that I wanted for my studio were shooting for uh, portraits and models, being able to shoot full length models, um, not just like waist up, and then being able to do uh, print sales and and album sales and client meetings. So I would say roughly half of what I do is, was pre-COVID weddings, Mm -hmm. and the other half of it is portraiture. So these are the two things that I wanted to be able to design this space for. Um, Now a lot of the weddings have dropped off and I am actually getting way more into tabletop photography. So this is not something that I just started doing, but it's something that um, I've shot for a lot of other clients. But when I shoot it, I usually shoot it in their studio or in their conference room or in their space. So I bring my gear and my skills to shoot their product stuff. But uh, I'm just here in my living room. I don't currently have a space to shoot any of that so so that's kind of all the things that this new space is going to incorporate so it it was very very important to me that it feels kind of like posh and high-end and comfortable because Mm -hmm. when a wedding client sits down you know weddings are expensive they're going to spend a lot of money and they do not want to spend a lot of money on someone who's just in his garage Mm -hmm. so the very first thing was making sure that clients feel like good and comfortable and making it feel like a really kind of like high-end forget you're in a garage type space
1: very cool very cool so um like well how much is that space then a portion for that how do you how do you split that space up to have that um, meeting area and then also your shooting space what does that look like
0: so like, when I was first designing it, there were there were a bunch of different areas that I knew I needed. There was the actual shooting space, which originally I really wanted to do a built-in psych wall, like, mm-hmm. so, so badly. Um, and then there's, of course, storage, because my photography gear isn't going to go anywhere else Mm -hmm. all my cameras all my lenses all of you know my backdrops um like my drone all my video equipment all that has to go somewhere and that's all going to be stored in the studio um and then of course i need to have the actual client meeting area which would consist of probably like a coffee table a couch and like a tv or i was also kind of playing with the idea of tv versus having a projector Mm -hmm. um there was a thing on my pinterest where i saw someone do a projector onto the psych wall you work in double duty right there and it looks super nice. cool and i'm like oh i love it um, and then of course when i'm working with models i kind of wanted a nice little vanity area where they can do uh, makeup
1: very cool so you've mentioned the psych wall several times i wanted you it said so bad you wanted it well, so what happened? Did, did you get it's one? It's not or happening. Not, not no. happening. No.
0: So, so I I designed this studio. Oh, and so the other thing is because it is a garage, mm-hmm. it has. Garage doors that open in the front, right? Yeah. So rather than shooting side to sides so when you open the garage door, it go uh, the light comes in from the side. I actually designed it so I shoot front to back. So when you open the garage door and I'm shooting something, the the light is behind me. So uh, the first thing that I could do with that is I could open the garage door and position the model a little closer to the door and have open shade. So they are getting that indirect light. So there's no direct light on them, but they are gonna be lit. And so that is one way that I could shoot some like natural light portraits. But the other thing, too, is if I need to be able to shoot something full length, but I need that separation from the model to the background of whatever I'm shooting, I can just open the garage door and just walk out the driveway so I can get that length and distance that is bigger than the building actually is to be able to get the photos of like, I want to shoot full length with an 80 mil well, <laughs> you need 40 feet for that and the building's only like 27. What are you yeah. going to do?
1: Well, with the garage so. doors, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a wall that you can just kind of remove so you can yeah. expand it and make it a bigger building than it uh, functionally bigger than it actually is. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, so so that that was kind of the initial idea of kind of like how I was positioning everything. So um, I was going to have the the client meeting area in one corner, storage mm-hmm. in another corner, and then the one entire is a two car garage, so one entire car bay was going to be the um, shooting area with mm-hmm. the psych mm-hmm. wall at the end. Uh, so I was going to line that up, lined up with the uh, garage door, so that everything centered. Um, like I could theoretically shoot. A car in there if I wanted to, like my my Scion IQ or a smart car, not like a a full size sedan. But you know, I can still do it. Still a car. Still a car. Uh, so yeah, that, that was, that was kind of what I wanted to do. But when I was setting that up, I realized that the client meeting area was, was way too cramped and it was way Mm. too uncomfortable and it doesn't feel good being pushed, butt up against a garage door. I got new doors. So no matter how nice those doors are, they're still garage doors. So it was just, it was just kind of like an uncomfortable, like part of this is not necessarily feng shui Type thing, but it is a little bit of that. It doesn't feel good to have that opening kind of behind you. It's just kind of that unease and you having all that stuff just kind of compressing you in. I wanted it to feel nice and open and relaxed, and I wasn't getting that feeling with Mm -hmm. kind of the original layout. Um, So, so because this studio if you're if you're uh, like a tabletop photographer and you're not meeting clients and your your couch or side chair or whatever is just for like the art director i totally would have been cool with that like they can sit in the corner let me do my work and then they can come on over when i'm ready and like critique the images but mm-hmm. that's not the kind of work i do uh, i i mainly shoot to to consumers rather than to businesses. So I'm working with like brides and families and not art directors for magazines. Mostly. Um, I've also worked with art directors for magazines, but like I said, it's just a totally different vibe on set. So um, this space actually, if I had to have one perfect and compromise the other, I want the client meeting area to be perfect. And I will mm-hmm. compromise my shooting space. But that's just like a personal decision that you have to decide for yourself. So so in doing so, I kind of moved around some of the shelving. And that shelving went on that back wall, all my storage, where the psych wall was going to go. So I kind of lost that big open wall that I was going to have.
1: So you said that you sacrificed the big wall, the psych wall. Um, so what did you replace that with? I assume there's still some sort of background system that you're going to be using.
0: Oh, for sure. So I, if you're on a budget, I totally could have just kept the stuff that I have. Um, I already have a background system. It is, you know, two stands with the big footprint and a crossbar. Like, it totally works. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But because all of this space is getting designed and it is all... so. Even though I said at the beginning of this episode that this space is bit like a big space, it fills up quickly, and especially <laughs> like like you know. Oh man, yeah.
1: You're like, oh, this big this big empty room, and then you put your stuff in it, and all of a sudden it's a small. All of room. a sudden it's a very small yeah.
0: room. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. For those of you listening, the room is roughly about 24 by 27, mm-hmm. so it's about 660 square feet, something like that, which is roughly the equivalent of kind of what I have now, but what I have now is all my Pelican cases. Like, I have a bunch of stuff that sits here in the living room, and then when someone comes over I record a podcast, it goes into the bedroom, and then when I go to sleep, it comes back out. Like, that... That, that's going to be over. We're, we're done with that.
1: <laughs> well, plus, I mean, just having a space where you can leave stuff set up is huge. Oh, yeah. That, yeah I mean, that's... I mean
0: as, as soon as this gets set up, you're going to see so much more content on the channel because it'll be easier for me to produce. I don't have to spend an hour setting up and then a half hour yeah. tearing down every single time I want to make something.
1: Like, that's one of my biggest issues with traditional backdrop, you know, stands is... Uh, at least for me, I um work in a garage most of the time and it's that's also my like workshop space where I work on 3D printing and electronics and other stuff. And um setting up a backdrop and tearing that down makes me want to just not film anything and never set anything up. So um so it's huge to have just a space for that just
0: and for a little while we left it set up but i'm imagining that when it was set up you were sacrificing doing other stuff like the 3d printer because i think we put it right in front of your printer yes so it's like you had to choose what am Mm -hmm. i gonna Mm -hmm. do when in an ideal world you have everything at your fingertips yeah um
1: So what did you go with instead of a traditional? Yes. What did I go with? So,
0: so I could have done a traditional crossbar, but the biggest issue that I had with that is the feet. Mm -hmm. So you have this huge footprint, which one is a tripping hazard Two requires a bunch of sandbags. And even though it's like movable and stuff, um, I don't really want those big feet. I want something with the smaller footprint that uh, takes up less space. Mm -hmm. If I can get the exact same thing, the backdrop size didn't change, but how wide of a space that backdrop needed because I would need roughly another two feet on either side with a traditional one. So a 10-foot backdrop is now 14 feet wide. So uh, what I went with is actually the Manfrotto Autopoles. Oh, so sweet. I do have them now. Um, I, they're not set up yet because I'm not in the new space quite yet. But <laughs> um, I the one thing that I can say of all the research um, from autopol to autopol, if you want to get something off-brand, go for it. The only reason I got the Manfrotto one is because they had a whole kit that was the same price as some off-brand one uh, pieced out individually. And I'm like, well because they have a kit that's discounted it makes it the same price might as well get like the name brand one um but the one thing that is to watch out for is if you get the autopole do not get plastic chains Mm. plastic Mm -hmm. chains will tangle and break immediately get metal chains everyone on the internet says so and Mm. now that i've seen it for myself i completely agree (laughs) (laughs) yes nice
1: Well, so that covers your backdrop, but you mentioned that um, although... Yeah, there's you, a
0: lot of other stuff like shooting space-wise yeah, that yeah, goes into that.
1: Um, I was going to say, you, you shoot a lot of, of people and the backdrop uh, will be like super useful for that. But you said you were getting, with less weddings, you're getting more and more into like tabletop kind of stuff. What does your uh, setup uh, look like for that or what you're intending to install? Yeah, so... Say
0: so there are kind of like two different type of of like product photos Mm -hmm. there are big photos that require a set so that could be um i I shot a bunch of t-shirts and those t-shirts were using the invisible mannequin technique which i will link to down in the description but um you were seeing the inside returns on the shirt so i was putting them on a mannequin and i was shooting this and that was almost like shooting people so i used the same things there Mm -hmm. um the other thing that i would use a huge set for is, um, I did a bunch of work for like Costco and for their, for their mailers. Like if you had a toaster, you had to build a whole kitchen set that you could place that toaster on. So we had huge sets for this tiny little product. So, so just having the big open space that you can configure covers like your hero shots or your really large items like t-shirts. Um, but the other th- thing for tabletop photography is whenever I'm shoot, I shoot so many knives mm-hmm. and I've shot knives for three different companies now. So whenever I'm shooting that kind of thing, it's like, it's shiny, it's reflective, it's incredibly detailed, they're expensive items, but they're quite small. So you have to really get in there. Um, having a workbench that you can, you know, roll your seamless out onto super useful, um, Having a rolling cart where you can have all of your flags and gobos and reflectors and all and all the little tools that you use for that, so many clamps, so many different types of clamps, mm-hmm. um, just being able to have all of that at hand rather than oh it's all over there let me go get it. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna have two different rolling carts. One rolling cart is going to be specifically so the top will be so I can set and do all these tiny little miniature-type product stuff. And then all of the drawers in there in that rolling cart will be, like, the reflectors and flags and clamps and, like, all of this stuff that I need for shooting tabletop. And then I will have a second rolling cart uh, that will actually just be all the camera gear. So my lenses and cameras and triggers, um, and then the top of that one I can have my laptop, and, and so I could shoot tethered if I want to. Um and then that'll also be really useful too when I'm just shooting anything like if I'm shooting some portraits and then they I can shoot tethered and I can be like all right let's take a look at that um that is way less useful when you're shooting like families because you don't necessarily want them looking at the monitor all the time but it's super useful when I'm shooting like actors or lawyers or something where I'm taking a lot of time to get that one perfect photo so I want to be able to review like here are the things I like about this photo here are the things I don't like about this photo let's go back and try it again and kind of work on this until you get the photo you need. Um, So yeah, I'm going to have those two different kind of rolling carts that uh, I can kind of move and position as needed.
1: Good deal. Good deal. So you're getting rid of your stands for your, your backdrop, but you're still going to use a lot of stands. I'm assuming what do you, what do you do with, with that kind of stuff? Like how are you handling your, your C stands? Like my C stands are so annoying because they're huge and heavy, and they don't seem to fit in any place particularly well for storage. Like, what are you doing uh, with that kind of stuff?
0: Yeah, so there are two different types of, of stands for sure. Mm-hmm. One is uh, what I would call travel sand. And travel sand, in my opinion, is literally anything that is not a sea stand. <laughs> so, whether you're talking about like the really cheap, like impact ones, or I have some Manfrotto ones that fold flat and stack, those are actually like designed and built for travel but um just any stand that doesn't weigh you know uh, i just did a video on c-sands that i'm not sure if it's published yet we'll see when this comes out um but i weighed a bunch of different c-sands they all weigh anywhere in between 15 to 19 pounds which is quite heavy um so c-sands are definitely meant for studio and so i want to be able to have those next to the shooting space at the ready so i can just pull them off the rack um Right now, because I'm not in that studio space yet, I have a C-stand bag that they're all stored in, but I never, ever use the C-stands unless I need, like, oh, for this specific shoot, I'm going to need multiple C-stands because just the act of going to the bag, getting out a single stand, is so much effort, well, because they're all, like, strapped and tied in there, Mm -hmm. and that bag is 90 pounds. So, So like that we, not talk, we exactly talked about exactly portable. <laughs> no, not not exactly. I actually put a big piece of gaff tape on it and labeled it two person carry only. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not getting a hernia over picking up this C-stand bag. So, um, yeah, just just kind of having those C-stands at the ready and accessible. That bag will be emptied, and I'm going to have a rack. Um, and of all the different C-stand options available, all of the commercially available options, they're all awful, and I've never seen any of them in an actual commercial studio that I've worked in. So there's, there's a fun little tip for you. Um, the best thing that I found is really just getting like a rail that the feet can sit on. And then if you can put on a floor rail strip, literally just a little metal L that the feet can kind of just have something to tuck into, then it just sits down and it won't shift or fall or whatever. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to have a short little rack where they're just all in a row and then I can pull them off.
1: Awesome. Awesome. Very cool. um, well, what do you what are you doing with uh, with the rest of the stuff around that with with your grip equipment? What does that look like?
0: Yeah, so there was there was a photo that I saw of like the most organized studio in the world type mm-hmm. thing, which uh, they lie. The most organized studio in the world is Casey Neistat. We all know <laughs> this. <laughs> that is an objective fact. um but yeah he he basically had this pegboard with all the little things Mm -hmm. and then um he hung his sandbags which i think is silly just like put your sandbags on the floor like you can hang the lighter ones yeah yeah i i I, I mean i i think theoretically it's so that he can just like at arm's height instead of having to bend over and pick them up Mm -hmm. um but yeah so i'm gonna have all the all the grip equipment on, like, a grip wall. Um, cool. the, some studios I've seen, they use, like, the pegboard things where, like, ev- all your clamps are, like, on this row. Um, the Another studio that I worked at, it had the closet with all the bins. So, like, if you needed a knuckle, all of the knuckles are in this bin. If you needed a A-clamp or a super clamp, all the A-clamps are in this bin, all the super clamps are in this bin. So... Um, because of like the positioning of kind of where I think all of the grip equipment's going to go, there's actually a door that swings open, which means I don't really have room for like a structure. So I think I'm going to go with like the pegboard kind of wall stack thing. Um, but so there, one thing that I want to mention is Mm -hmm. something that I picked up from Adam Savage that is, I think the best tip ever. So internalize the phrase first level accessibility. What that means is that you don't have to move anything out of the way to get the thing that you actually wanted. Everything is at your fingertips.
1: Because if you have to move something, you're never going to touch it again.
0: Yeah, you're never <laughs> going to use it. Or you're going to forget that it's there. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to you know, just like fumble with things. Um, to get it out of the way of, like, I don't have enough hands to grab that thing off the shelf. Um, you don't want that. So when you're designing your space, you definitely want it all designed so that you have access to everything you need without stuff being hidden. Um, it's totally okay to hide, like, some things if, like, it really comes down to it and you don't have enough space. You're not Adam yeah. Savage. Mm-hmm. Like, my crash pad is a thing that I use on very rare occasion. It's okay to tuck that one up in the loft. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I need a crash
1: pad at a moment's notice. Well, so uh, I should I should mention for those of you that haven't seen Adam Savage's uh, workshop, um, I would definitely go and look that up on YouTube. He doesn't go quite as label um, crazy as Casey Neistat does, but it's an Which extremely thing, yeah. like meticulously well thought out workspace. It looks actually pretty chaotic and and to some degree it, messy, it but it's just, it looks like a works crazy hoarder. Yeah. <laughs>
0: but the thing is, if you ask him a thing, he knows exactly where that thing is, yeah. and he can just say, here it is. He yeah. doesn't need to like, search for it, or find exactly. it, or move anything to get to it.
1: It's a, yeah, it's a great example of a space that is molded like, incredibly precisely to one person's needs. It is finely tuned. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. It's really cool stuff.
0: So, so like, kind of on that vein, one of the things that I hate about those stackable storage bins, you know, the Mm -hmm. big plastic ones that you can get at Costco and Target or whatever. Well, the issue with stackable storage bins is you shouldn't stack them. If you stack them, you will never ever, ever access whatever the thing is in the bottom bin. So (laughs) true.
1: So true. Yeah, I've I've got a number of them, and uh boy i mean there's stuff in some of mine that are on the bottom of the stack i don't even know it's in the bin anymore i mean who it could be anything
0: well i mean when we were recording the episode earlier you were having an audio issue and you're like oh i need a new xlr cable oh it's never never mind never mind <laughs> it's in that bin we'll we'll just we'll just live without it <laughs>
1: yeah uh yeah i'm working on this uh, recording space it'll be better
0: uh yeah so there's gonna be a grip wall um cool uh the 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 one last thing that i definitely know that i have is i have a bunch of 10 foot backgrounds which again Mm -hmm. for the auto pole um system all of your backgrounds need to be the same width if you're not planning on moving it i'm planning on kind of just setting up my poles and just leaving them there yeah um But the problem with the pull system versus a traditional crossbeam is if you set them 10 feet apart, you can't have a nine foot backdrop Mm. that just like they literally have to span the entire width. So I have a bunch of 10 foot backdrops. But then I have one 9-foot backdrop, so you need to have, like, another pole for that one to, to, to like, make it span the 10 feet. Oh, um, yeah. But because mm. I already own all of these, like, full 10-foot backdrops, I think I have four or six of them, something like that now, um, that I've just accumulated over time. Uh, if you don't want to ruin all of your backdrops, especially the paper ones, you need to store them vertically. So a lot of people don't have 10-foot ceilings, so I've seen those things where, like, you can have, like, the rolls and stacks, but uh, the weight of the paper on paper, it's just warps it, and then the tube itself like it warps the tube so so many things get messed up when it is it's okay to lay it down for like a minute like Mm -hmm. you're totally fine but if you're gonna store it there for months and years and needs to be stored vertically or you're gonna warp and ruin that backdrop Mm -hmm. so uh finding a space where you can have that full 10 foot storage area is gonna be really important i haven't quite figured out where that goes yet i just know it needs to be vertical somewhere
1: (laughs) yeah it's still a it's a work in progress, I imagine. Once you start moving things in and uh, getting an exact feel for how things are falling into place i'm sure absolutely it'll be yeah
0: uh there will definitely be way more videos on the studio (laughs) they're just like we're not going to turn these all into podcasts we just thought this would be an interesting kind of like walkthrough of like my ideas and how i came about them and why i'm doing a bunch of this stuff um yeah there will be a bunch more videos and speaking of which uh bonus one here um you sent me a excellent video by dslr video shooter that Mm -hmm. had some Mm -hmm. diy sound panels uh you you can tell them more about that That one, but I made those. Sure.
1: So yeah, I know for a fact more videos are coming from your studio space because you're doing some sound treatment, and uh I've been watching uh this channel DSLR video shooter. uh, he's bigger than I am. You should know him. Caleb. Go check his stuff out. (laughs) He he has an awesome channel, like super like really meticulous videos. Um, really awesome content. He doesn't waste your time. Just It's really good. Just go watch DSLR Video Shooter, first of all. Second of all, he has a video about um, these DIY uh, movable sound panels um, for treatment in a new studio space that he recently um, got into. And uh, basically the idea is you take uh, sound blankets and you drape them over a frame and then you put them on a rollable C-stand. So you've got this great sound absorbent um panel that you can just move around in a in a studio space and put it wherever it's most uh useful but if you're not using it you can either take it apart i guess if you need it to be really small or you can just roll it up against a wall and it's nice and flat so um that is like just an excellent um Uh, an excellent sound treatment idea and I've, I've built them myself for my own use and um, now you're doing it as well. So that's going to be, Excellent for your video work, yeah. I'm sure.
0: <laughs> so so one of the things that's nice about it is the sound Blank and C recommend are black on one side and white on the other. Yeah. So they also double as V-flats. You can actually exactly. use them to, to reflect or cut light, which mm-hmm. is pretty cool. Um, I had about $300 budgeted for new studio stuff for V-flats. I was going to buy them. I'm like, wait a second. I can spend that $300 and get sound treatment too. Like, I'm, I'm going to be doing a ton of videos. Let's make the sound better. VFATs can come another day. Um, I still think they're going to be useful for the studio, but uh, I think this will cover most of my bases, at least for now. So mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they really are wide enough. Like, if you don't believe us, I know a lot of sound blankets look not great um, or uh like if you're on a budget these a lot were of really use moving expensive blankets. they were like these 50 are, bucks a blanket yeah these are relatively when I expensive bought in bulk. sound blankets. if you don't buy
0: in bulk they're like 80 bucks a blanket yeah but yeah. i but i bought so, in bulk they're only like 50 bucks a blanket that way and but uh no that like the white is a very clean white i was white. i was really happy right. with it very little. little color distortion
1: yeah exactly so it's super uh, really excellent um solution definitely check out dslr video shooter and check out that uh that DIY sand panel, um, video. It's good stuff.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, this was a fun one. I definitely have a lot more work to do. Um, I, I, I think the very last kind of sign off thing is like, when you are looking at a studio, don't, uh, don't try to copy someone else's studio. So so think about why that thing works in their studio and are there any lessons you can learn from that? Mm-hmm. Uh, there are definitely a few things that I'm copying, like the sound panels from DSLR Video Shooter. Like, mm-hmm. that was an excellent thing. I'm going to take that and use it in MySpace. Awesome. Awesome. But there are other things too that, um, like, oh, I see what you did there, and I like the idea and concept behind it. But that's not really gonna work here. So, like, another one that I saw was they mounted a bunch of LED panels to the roof so that, um, uh, on like on swivels, so whenever they do a YouTube video, they just turn on their LED panels and swivel it to wherever in the studio they are that they're shooting the video. Well, my my new studio does not have an enclosed roof. I can't bounce light off it like he did. So it's like that's a great idea, it doesn't quite work in my space, but like what are some things I can think about to make the space a little more friendly for video shooting rather than having to follow myself around with a big light setup. So exactly. so there's those kind of things that like I'm going to work on it. I'm going to tweak it. I want it to look and feel high end. And right now I'm doing a bunch of the like contractor installation type stuff. But uh, yeah, there will be more content to come.
1: Yeah, a studio is a tool just like any other tool in your kit. And um, definitely don't think of it as just like an empty box. Like mold it and change it and adjust it so that it is the best tool it can be for your particular shooting um your use cases and, and don't uh, feel bad
0: there. if you move in and you're like mm, this isn't quite working refine yep. it mold yep. it chip away at it like it's figure an evolving out process what works for you for sure
1: <laughs> yeah awesome well thank you so much for sharing the news and some of the thoughts behind your new studio it's exciting stuff i cannot wait to see it
0: oh it's very exciting uh no it, it'll it'll be great
1: Awesome. Well, thank you all so much for listening to uh, this little offshoot episode talking about um, some of the uh, thought process of uh, building a new studio. There might be some more um, content here about that, but there definitely will be on your YouTube channel. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So check out um, Nom Creative on YouTube and you'll get to follow along with the journey of building a new studio. Um, But uh, other than that... We will see you next time. Thanks so much for listening and
0: watching. And indulging my talking about myself for now. And that. If you have questions or ideas for future episodes, you can email us at hello at photo-op.show.
1: Watch us on Ben's YouTube
0: channel at Nom creative As in om-nom-nom.
1: Share this with a friend, and you can listen to Photo Op anywhere podcasts are sold.
0: Or download it. Because it's free.